I understand the fear though, that people have, I get it. I feel it, you know, myself uh, often, you know, you want to keep it to yourself. You want to keep your, your plans, your goals, your missions, like kind of quiet until you can like get your footing and find your way. So there's something to be said for that. But then I think ultimately it doesn't do us any good to hold on to our dreams or whatever it is that we're trying to do and keep it a secret. It doesn't do us any good. What's up and welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Today, I have Brittany Lowe on the podcast. She is a, what do we call it? A double entrepreneur. Is that a thing? Um, she's just an entrepreneur in general. But uh, so she is the CEO, founder of two businesses um, in the beauty industry, both of them. So she has Butini and also Bea. And she is only 31 years old. Uh, so we are going to talk about how she created not one, but two businesses, uh, some roadblocks that she kind of hit about along the way, and how she is pioneering a certain space in the beauty industry, if you will, uh, that very few people are dabbling in yet. Uh, and so she's really kind of making a way for other women and for women in general in this space that we're going to get into uh, towards the end of the episode, which I'm excited to chat about. Um, and also towards the end of the episode, definitely stick around because uh, we get into, you know, what it takes and what kind of mindset you need in order to run two businesses, which obviously can apply to anybody who's just busy in general, which is of course, all of us, uh, and how you have to prioritize yourself, uh, in order to find success in life. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, also, uh, make sure you follow Brittany, um, on Instagram. She is B R I T T A N Y dot low, uh, at Brittany low. So check her out. And without further ado, let's hop into the episode. Here we go. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown. And today I've got my friend on. I've got Brittany <laughs> Lowe on the podcast today. So this has been an episode that is kind of a long time coming. Um, so to give you a quick intro of Brittany, she is a she owns two businesses. Um, she is a young entrepreneur in New York City, making a way for herself in the beauty industry um, and kicking ass and taking names. Uh, quite honestly, <laughs> I uh, look up to you so much. Um, and I'm always just in awe of all the things that you continue to succeed at. And so I'm so excited to have you on today to talk about your, you know, the, your mentality around business, your mindset around business, and also how you've, you know, been able to create, how old are you now, Brittany? I'm 31. Okay. Create not one, but two businesses <laughs> at 31 years old. I'm so excited to talk about it. So thanks so much for being on today. And thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for like every day since we've scheduled this. And I can't wait to dive deeper because we have so many conversations offline about your businesses, my businesses. So now we're getting it on the record. So hopefully everyone can have some takeaways from our conversations too. Yes, definitely. Okay. So how old were you 
when you started your first business, which is Butini, um, which is makeup for brides, uh, bridal service. Exactly. Could you explain exactly what Butini is for those who don't know? Yes, of course. So I started Butini. Um, well, to backtrack it, I always, I wrote my second grade journal. I wanted to have a beauty company. So I always knew I wanted to go into beauty. And what happened was I interned for L'Oreal my summer going into my senior year of college. And after that internship, I got a job offer. And when I got that job offer, like initially I was so excited. I signed right away. And then I was like, shit, I told myself in second grade, I'd have this beauty business. Like, what am I doing going the the corporate route? And so I started working on Butini my senior year, like on the weekends, after class, just trying to figure out like, what could this beauty concept look like? And so I really worked on it my senior year, then I graduated. Um, and my goal was as long as I could get it like up and running and raise a little bit of capital, capital, uh, as long as I could get it up and running, raise a little bit of money um, before I would have had to start with L'Oreal, which was the company I was supposed to be going to, um, then I would turn down the offer and become an entrepreneur. So I was like 22 years old when I like officially launched Butini. Um, very naive. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was super excited to like finally make my dreams come true. Because like growing up, you're always like, when I'm when I'm older, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, shit. Well, I'm older now, so let's make it happen. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what did your parents say or did they have, like, were there a lot of naysayers around you that were like, holy shit, you just got a job offer from L'Oreal, which is a worldwide known brand uh, straight out of college who wants to pay you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, were, who were there some naysayers in your life and what did they say? Oh, so many. It's funny because I think that I signed initially because I was excited but I also signed subconsciously because I knew that so many people were going to ask me what I was doing after graduation. And that's, that adds so much pressure to any, you know, like rising senior. And so I really was like, you know what? I signed it. So anyone who asks me can get off my ass and know that I have a job. But what was interesting was my parents have always been my biggest cheerleaders. Um, and my dad, like he like really worked for everything he's had. Like he grew up with very humble beginnings. And so when I told him that I was going to give away this like stable, amazing job offer, to like try to do my own thing. He was not happy. Um, so it took me like seven months from the time when I told him like, Hey, this is, I'm not going I'm not taking this job um, to him really seeing me wanting to grow Butini. And I was very serious. Then he was like, okay, like you really do want this. Like I'm a thousand percent like here for you. Like I'm so excited. He's like, I was just nervous because I don't think you realize how hard this journey is going to be. And he wasn't wrong. Like the entrepreneur journey is, is brutal. Um, but it's also so fulfilling at the same time. So what is Butini? So Butini is a hair and makeup service where we specialize in weddings and events. Um, so we have a team of about like 60 stylists um, who will come to these various locations and glam up our clients. And is it weddings only or? So we'll do weddings, but we have corporate clients like Roku and TikTok um, for like during the week. And then um, we'll also do like fun events. Um, we'll do bachelorette parties. So like anything that people need hair and makeup for, as long as it's like more of like a group gathering, that's kind of what we specialize in. 
Okay. Wow. And so what are some of the biggest challenges that you think that you faced kind of getting a business up and running? Because uh, this was how many years ago now that you started it? So I don't think this really makeup, hair and makeup on demand was really a thing at this time. So during this time, like it was about eight years ago, um, dry bar, Ali Webb's dry bar concept of these like drink champagne, get a blowout, like in these really cool spaces, that was very popular. And then you, there was a few of these like hair and makeup concierge popping up, but not really. Um, and so I initially wanted to be like the makeup complement of dry bar. But once I looked into how expensive real estate was in New York City, I quickly changed the concept for Butini, where we come to you and we have a nice little office for you to come um, just for a trial, but definitely not on street street level by any means. I mean, I feel like that was a really smart pivot, if I'm being honest. I feel like, you know, having it on demand and say, we come to your house, I feel like that's like a really needed in New York City, especially. Yeah. And, I, and also like when we were first starting off, I thought like, okay, let's try to go into existing real estate buildings, like an Equinox where they have the right demographics. We'll work out of the locker room and we'll kind of do what dry bar is doing. But you, at that time they were charging like $40 for an hour blowout. And so I wanted to apply that model to Butini, but then I'd go and try to hire a stylist for what, like $30, $20 for an hour. And they're like, no freaking way. And so I realized that I wanted to create a very elevated, luxurious experience. And you're not going to get that by doing like quick on the go blowout. And so that's where I kind of fell into like at that time, I had some friends getting married. And so like weddings are interesting. I don't want to do like this volume play. Like I really want to focus on quality and experiences. When do people care about experiences? And one of the first ideas was, well, wedding day, like that's such an emotional day where you're willing to spend a lot more than you would on a normal day for hair and makeup. And it's more of a group setting. So for us to create like robes and champagne and this really fun environment, it just made a lot more sense. So we went from thinking like as a storefront into being on demand. And then from thinking we were going to be this, you know, volume hair and makeup company, we really then pivoted once again and adapted to what we were seeing and try to do less quantity, but really high quality. I mean, I think that's such a a valuable piece for any entrepreneur who's listening out there, which is, you know, or anyone with a dream, you know, it's like you can have these goals, these ideas, but you don't have to be so rigid in making them come to fruition in the exact manner that you envision in the beginning, because I think the goal, and I say this so often, but I think the goal stays the same, but the vessel often does change. And so you might set out to do something one way and then you realize the market needs something different or you realize your audience wants something different or you realize like, you know, whatever business model you have for whatever reason uh, needs to be tweaked and isn't going to work. So you have to kind of be, I think, light on your toes to say, okay, well, what what do they want? What do they need? And maybe the vision isn't quite uh, quite aligned with what the world needs at this time and, and being light on your toes to just kind of pivot uh, at all times. Yeah. I think that's a really important lesson for any entrepreneur. A hundred percent. And I will say that anyone who is thinking about starting a business, um, like often I get a question of like, okay, when do you know it's the right time? 
Um, like, I don't know if this idea is fully fledged out. I think, and, or they're so excited about their idea that they don't want to tell anyone. And so, like you were saying, being able to adapt and be flexible once you have this idea is so important, which means you don't need to have everything fleshed out before you start. You really just got to start and just do it. And then you're going to notice like, hmm, I thought this idea was really great. But this actually led me to an even better idea. So I think it's one, like just starting once you feel like you have an idea that will keep you up at night, you could see yourself doing this kind of business for the next 10 years. And if you're still that excited about it, just go and start telling people about it, make it a reality, like manifest it. And once you start sharing your vision, it's going to evolve. And it doesn't mean that your initial idea was bad. It just means that like based on, more insights and the more that you share this concept, you're slowly just turning it, it into an even better idea. And like the chances of it truly succeeding is only getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I understand the fear though, that people have. Um, I get it. I feel it, you know, myself uh, often, you know, you want to keep it to yourself. You want to keep your, your plans, your goals, your missions, like kind of quiet until you can like get your footing and find your way. So there's somebody to be said for that. But then I think ultimately it doesn't do us any good to hold on to, to our dreams or whatever it is that we're trying to do and keep it a secret. It doesn't do us any good. Um, you know? Yeah. And I even think it's all about like, it's not about like sharing it to the world and posting it on your Instagram as a post, but it's like finding people that you really trust. Cause like you said, like, of course, if you say something to the wrong person, that might not be good either. But I think, you know, sharing it with a relative or a close friend or just someone where you really trust them and just to get it out there and get used to like talking more about it. I think there's a lot of beauty of like just listening to what you're saying and how you're speaking to this idea that it's going to give you a lot of answers without having to tell like a ton of people. Right. The answers start to come when you start to talk about it a lot more. I like that. Um, Okay. So at a certain point you're like, okay, I've got this business up and running. I, you know, it's working. Uh, And then when did the the seed get planted or when did you decide like, Oh, I think like the next thing is a physical product, um, which is Bea, your, your new baby. <laughs> yes. So it was pretty early on to be honest, probably like two years in. So I still remember. So I ended up getting like three angel investors to invest into Butini. Um, and they're like, okay, we love the idea, but we're investing in you. And so I feel like a year in, we got an office and things were like looking beautiful and very exciting. But my gut was telling me that this, there's something more in store for me. And so I called one of my, I was like, listen, I don't really think this is super scalable because the way to scale a service-based business is often having like different locations scattered throughout many locations. And I just knew personally, I did not want to be 40 years old with a family worrying about a hairstylist waking up at 4am in Dallas, right? Like I just knew that my business and how it needed to grow to be like even more successful was not in line with my personal goals. And so I called my um, investor at the time. I was like, I don't think this is super scalable if we don't do it that way. And she's like, honestly, I know that. She's like, I just invested in you. So like, just figure it out and let's see. And so it wasn't until like 2018 where I was like, you know what, like Butini really is more like a market research platform for me, 
where like women would come in and share all of their beauty concerns, like what's going on with the family drama, what leading up to the wedding. Um, and we just learned so much from them. And so it was a lot of women coming in and being like, oh, I have like this blemish on my breast, like, and my dress is low cut. Like, what can we do? Or like, I sweat really easily. Um, like, is my makeup going to hold? Or like, oh, when I sweat, I smell. Like, what happens on the wedding night? Whatever it was, it was like all these like intimate, almost embarrassing concerns that clients kept sharing when they're at Butini. And so I always wanted to go into product, but I really didn't know where the white space was. And so once I started hearing these women like have these concerns, that's when I was like, you know what? There's another business inside me and it's something to do with skincare, but these like intimate concerns, which really led to me um, going into more of the sexual wellness element. And then I started Bea in the heat of the pandemic. I, I mean, it's, yeah, that's wild to think about. Like starting a business in the like height of the pandemic is just like, I know. it's the craziest time to think about potentially doing that. But once again, it seems <laughs> like pivoting is your middle name. So like, you just like, you figure it out, <laughs> uh, like bootstrapping it and, and going. Um, so, so Bea, you know, you started out with a setting spray, um, but your mm-hmm. setting spray is kind of unique in that it has like uh, vitamins in it and things that the skin needs, uh, which most setting sprays don't have. All of your uh, products are also vegan, as I as I understand it. Um, yeah. And then you created uh, on the go wipes for staying clean and fresh throughout the day, especially which is great for you know a New Yorker who's running around the city. Um, and then after that, the third product you've now brought to market is a sexual wellness, a serum, if you will. Is that what you call it? A lube? An intimacy serum. Yeah. Intimacy okay, serum. A lube. That's, what, that's what we're calling it these days. Okay. An intimacy serum. Um, so, I mean, I spoke with you, we got lunch, the pandemic was still going on and you showed me like the, the bottle that you had for like, I mean, nothing was even like happening yet for the, the, um, the setting spray, which is your first product. You showed me just the bottle, the empty bottle. And you're like, yeah, I think this is the packaging I'm going to go with. (laughs) This is where I'm so fascinated by you. Like you had no idea what you were doing. You just like continue to just figure this out as you go. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like I was in hair and makeup services and come March, 2020, literally like all my clients within a week went away, right? Like I had zero business within a week come March. And so, you know, figuring all the new dates and like reassuring clients maybe took a month. After that, I was like, all right, what do I do with my time? And so I was like, well, I did want to do product. So now is probably the time when there's zero events, zero weddings, and zero people getting their hair and makeup done. And so, yeah, like the first thing I did was like, all right, how do you make product? Okay, let me Google. Like, how do you find a manufacturer? Where, like, how do I know? Like, how do you call them? Like, do you email them? Like, they have these very sketchy websites. Like, you have no idea what to do. And I ended up having my intern. I'm like, hey, can you help me find some manufacturers? And she's like, okay. She picked one. And I was like, all right, let's give them a call. And that's like how it started. And so every call, I would just ask a bunch of questions and be like, oh, yeah, like, we're, you know, we're coming, we're a very successful, like, team that's creating this beauty line. And, um, and what I learned very quickly is that it's not about you just hiring them, they need to want to work with you. 
And so you have to act like you know what you're talking about when I had zero idea. But it's like you, you know, you mess up the first call, but then you learn a little bit. And then whatever that person said, you use that in another, your next call. So you sound a little bit more educated. And then by your 10th call, you start sounding like you know what you're talking about. And then eventually we had someone who was like, all right, let's take a chance on you. Let's figure this out. And that's literally what I did for everything. Like I'd be like, people would use acronyms and I'm like, sorry, what does this mean? Or like, so what's the next step in the process? Um, is there anyone you can like introduce me to that does that? And so it's a lot of just like, you know, play, finding that balance between like figuring it out and like acting professional where they have confidence that if they trust, like invest in you, that you're gonna, you know, ultimately be a successful brand, but also be like, curious enough to ask them all the questions because if you don't like google trust me can only get you so far <laughs> right so did you have investors for starting bea or did you bootstrap it all by yourself so during the pandemic i actually bought out my investors for butini so i became fully self-funded for butini and then still to this day i self-fund both butini and bea um which is interesting because at one point, like I had friends who were, you know, like raising 20, $30 million for their businesses. And that was like the sexy thing to do. But now when you read about like success stories, whether it's like Spanx or like it cosmetics, like there's a lot of brands or Briogeo, like a lot of really cool brands that you listen about and hear their stories of them, like just slowly growing investing their own money and like really waiting till they absolutely absolutely need to take someone else's money. And I always found those stories a lot more fascinating to me. And so definitely not easy and it's not as sexy, but that's something that I'm really mindful of. Like, that's how I want to grow Bea. Um, But it's like to each their own. I mean, yeah, no, I... I would agree with that. I find that to be those stories to be like the most inspiring for sure. I mean, you're now you're, you've gotten your foot in the door in some department stores. I mean, I'm assuming big picture is like, you want to get into like Sephora and, you know, become like a nationwide, you know, internationally known brand. You named it a hundred percent. We just need to get into Sephora. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, let's manifest it guys. Hello. Whoever's listening out there. Um, I mean, the packaging is absolutely stunning. You've done such an excellent job on that. The products are great. Um, what else do you see yourself expanding into for bad? Would you make makeup products at some point or? So our whole thing is we're premium vegan skincare that addresses skincare concerns, skin concerns that affect our confidence in the bedroom and beyond. So like our whole thing is for women to orgasm, like 99% of that is mental. And 79% of women say that their number one insecurity in bed while having sex is their body image. And so my belief was, well, like here there are like some brands that like have gross ingredients in their in their products. So like people should not be using those anyways. And if there are brands that are like in this sexual wellness space, they're giving you maybe a lube, they're giving you a toy and they're saying, go have fun. But I think that like, first off, like, sexual wellness or sexual health is a part of the 360 approach to beauty and how we really live our lives. It's such a big part. Um, And like, I think that it really starts before you enter that bedroom, right? Like I know we created our wipes because I remember dating and I'd be dancing all night and maybe I'd go home with someone. And then like, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I 
am so sweaty. I stink. Yeah, I want to go have sex. But then the whole time, I'm just like, I hope he can't smell me. And that's not like a pleasure pleasurable experience either. And so our whole thing is like, how do we create these skincare con- solutions that address whether it's like body blemishes or unwanted sweat and odors so that by the time you enter the bedroom, you're, you're feeling so confident in your own skin so that you can focus on getting that pleasure that you really deserve. So for us, like we are vegan, we are fragrance free. Like we want people to feel comfortable putting things in their body, on their body. Um, so one of the big areas of concerns that we've found with um, a lot of our clients is like body blemishes, you know, aftershave bumps and things like that. And also just again, like head to toe odors. So there'll be some products coming out later this year that address some of those concerns, but it'll ultimately be more like about the body before we go into anything else. I love that. Uh, I feel like also, you know, there's companies that have like, um, like anti-chafing, you know, like a balm for that would be amazing. Um, especially for brides, I think like when you're in your wedding dress, I think that's, uh, I mean, not, not that those, you know, the, um, Bea is also is uh bride focused, but just thinking of brides. Um, cause it's, obviously- well, no, that's a really good to know. Cause it's funny. I always said that's like, that's like definitely a product in our pipeline where it's like, how do you feel again, feel comfortable and confident in your own body and your own skin. And especially whether you're running or working out or just like walking, especially when it's a hot day out, like nothing feels worse than like your skin rubbing against skin. Um, and it's funny that we think about wedding days for Bea because a lot of people like you commiserate your marriage through having sex on your wedding night. Right. And so it is funny to think about how I started with wedding in the beginning of the day. And now I'm here focusing on the end of the night. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's really true. Right. Cause even as a bride, it's like, you could use every single one of those products that you have, um, on your, like, let's say your wedding night. So it's like, you can use them for a random night out on the town or also a big night out like that, you know? Yeah. And that's where like, we knew that our clients, like we do share the same like demographic, relatively speaking. And so I knew like we started with a mist and it's to give you the morning after glow. It doesn't have like this intimate sexual wellness piece to it, but we just knew that like sex in general is so taboo to be talking about, to be like listening about, So thank you for listening um, to everyone who's out there right now. But I think that when we think about um, like when people like think about sex brands, you think about sex shops or like all these cringy, raunchy brands. And so we wanted to start with a miss where it gives you the morning afterglow, but allows our customers to like ease into um, our products, the quality of our ingredients. So by the time we came out with our serum, where it is a lubricant, right? And you're using it during sex, you feel so comfortable knowing it's not going to irritate you. It's not going to give you a UTI, whatever else. And so that's like kind of like the long-term plan. But like you said, you can use the mist in the morning throughout the day. You can use the wipes to like clean up when you're starting to stink from all that dancing on the dance floor. And then the serum um, at the end of the night for some fun wedding night sex. I love it. Is there like a small to-go package of that? So with the formula like, size, I know. So everyone's like, so our serum is, um, TSA approved. Um, but we do, we're working on a travel size. <laughs> like a mini that you can put in your purse. would be like, so cool. 
like a, for a quick for a quickie just like a one night <laughs> one use yeah exactly I love it exactly um I mean I think you're you're so ahead of the game I think that you know it's they're definitely two separate things but I just see the future of you know just women's health uh, females in business, um, just all of it. I see, you know, in the next few years, I pers- my personal idea is that the biggest trends are a meditation, which, you know, I'm obsessed with, but, and yeah. B talking about being more open about, about sex, about females, in, uh, and, you know, pleasure and, you know, making that something that's a lot less taboo. Um, and I think, a, a really, it's really, like awesome that you are so ahead of the curve on that. I mean, you just won uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine's number one uh, serum. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so we won a uh, the best serum lube award um, from Cosmo Magazine, and we won one of their Holy Grail awards that will be coming out for another product in a few weeks. So yeah, it's been amazing. Wow, that is incredible! Congratulations. Uh, have you heard back about the Sephora thing? Whatever I nominated for you for, I don't remember what it was. Oh, you're so sweet. No, not yet. That's like for their influencer program. So we'll see. That would about be a great. That. Foot we in the have door. been in the talks. Exactly. So we've been in the talks with them slowly right now for Bea. So we'll see. Um, we're doing a lot of trade shows, which is a great way for anyone who is looking to start a business. Like I started Butini with doing wedding trade shows and expos. And for Bea, for us to figure out how to get into retail, I found that just like investing in trade shows was a great way to meet them face to face. So we are doing a few trade shows next month where that's just a great way to like build the relationships with new retailers and see where that might take us. Um, so hopefully we'll be in more retailers, more doors soon. It, does Sephora have any products now uh, for sexual wellness? Yeah. So actually they were the number one, they were the first retailer in February of last year to launch a sexual wellness category and really like merchandise behind these products and these brands, which is fascinating. And then just two weeks ago, they brought one of the brands in store to test it out. And they brought on more indie brands online in this space. Um, So I think it's really fascinating to see how they're thinking this through this category, knowing that they are a beauty retailer. Um, and then when you see like Target, you see Neiman Marcus, like you see all these big, big retailers starting to invest in these kind of products because they know that customers want them. And so now they just have to figure out like, what's that storyline? Like how are you merchandising these kind of products and how do associates then sell these kind of products to a customer in a way that they feel comfortable and it still aligns with the retailer's brand. Um, so it's pretty fascinating just to see how they're thinking through like whether it's period and menstrual care or, or menopause care or sexual wellness, postpartum. Like there's a lot of, there's so much when it when we think about like women's health where like you can take more of a clinical approach or there's just a lot of sexiness to it too where I believe, I don't want you to feel like you're a patient of mine. Like I want you to be like, I want to display this beautiful lube on top of my nightstand because it's gorgeous. And I love using it versus like, Oh, I'm dry down there. I need to use this. Right. No, you right. get, or to I need this. to hide it you away. Love it. Yeah, yes. That's, like, that's like the whole narrative that we have to like really break the narrative on the shame and the guilt that's associated with these products, with this whole category. And so to see retailers and like, 
you know, like venture capitalist firms start putting money behind brands that are doing just that just shows me that there is a lot of potential. And like you said, like the next few years, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the space evolves. Wow. I feel like you are like ahead of the curve riding the wave. I'm so excited for you and for, you know, where you're going to go with all of this. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you're, I don't know. It's just really brilliant and really cool to see that you're, you know, doing something that is out of the box and kind of really pioneering a category in so many ways. Thank you. I mean, so much coming from you and I, and like just being able to share the story and talk it through, like we said, we're like, we're knocking down that taboo just by being here and talking about it. So it really means so much. Of course, of course. Um, so let's talk about quickly before we, you know, segue, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you know, what do you do for you to balance running two businesses? Um, you know, what is your most important part of your, your morning routine and, uh, you know, just most important things that you build into your day for, you know, to be able to, successfully balance two businesses at once. Yeah, I'd say that it definitely has taken a toll on me. Like there's no, you know, you have some amazing days as your as a business owner and there's some really hard days. And so I love my boyfriend wakes up pretty early to go to work. And so now I'm on like a good schedule where I like to wake up for my workout and do like a project. So not answer emails, but whatever it might be that's like hanging over me that I need to get done. Doing it first thing in the morning um, is what I like to do. And then I'll go do a workout for me, like having that physical and mental release by working out and getting centered and clearing my mind is like absolutely crucial. Something that I am working on incorporating more because I know you love meditating is to do even five minutes of meditation before I go into my work day. Because I think that like, just calming yourself and having the right mindset before you get overwhelmed with emails or putting out fires is so important. Um, so I try to just take time for that. And then I'll go into like just writing my top three priorities um, of what I need to get done today. And just take it step by step. Like I can't be everything to everyone all the time. And I need, I, I know that and I can't run everything perfectly. But what I can focus on is like, where does my attention need to be given today, this week, next week, and just like balance it. Like there's no perfect recipe, but I think just thinking through like, okay, how do I support this business today versus this business? Okay, let's prioritize them. And then just like make a checklist and, and just do my best. Like that's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's exciting. And I wouldn't want to live any other life. Like I love what I do. So it's not that I have to run two businesses. It's because I get to, and I'm like so honored and lucky that I can. So I just have to think in that mindset and it's all just so much fun. I love that. And I love the line of, I just have to do my best. That's all any of us have to do. do. Just have to wake up and do our best. Yes. And nothing like it's saying you're super successful and you just work all the time, but you're not happy personally. That's, that's not success either. So I do think it's like, you got to do what you can do while still staying like mentally fit, physically fit and being happy. And I think that's like, as I get older and even starting Bea, I was like really intentional on like what I wanted my personal life to look like, what I wanted my business to look like. Because at the end of the day, it's like, no one cares how successful your business is if you didn't make time for the things that mattered. 
route the way. Um, so it's always a ju- juggle for whether you have your own business or like if you are, um, you do have a full time job at a big corporation. Like we all like have the same struggles, right? Um, okay, so the last question I will ask you today is, what is the best piece of advice that you would give your younger self? I'd say the best piece of advice I give my younger self, which I would I used to hate hearing, is take a deep breath, be patient, and figure out what that next little step you can take today is, not tomorrow, not next month, and not next year, just that one step to move you forward. I love that. That's great advice. I'll take that today. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being on Brittany. I'm so glad that we got to chat, um, all things business and, you know, the, 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 what you're pioneering and what you're doing and what you're creating and succeeding at. And, you know, I hope to get more people on the Bay of train. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, this was such a great opportunity to spend more time with you. I'll take any chance I get to be with you. And also just like sharing this conversation with you. I like, I can't thank you enough for all the support you've given us and given me since day one, since I had the bottle. (laughs) Yes. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh. I love it. That is a wrap, as I always say on today's episode. So I hope that there were so many uh, things that you learned throughout this episode uh, from Brittany. You know, I really, like I said in the episode, I really just, I just admire her. I just see this girl who's just like, yeah, I'm going to just do what I want to do. I'm going to create this or I'm going to go here. I'm going to make that happen. And she just goes out and does it. And of course, that's not to say that she doesn't get stressed or scared or worried like anyone else in the world. But, you know, she just has this way about her that she puts all that aside and says like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make it happen. And, you know, she does not, is not someone who lets excuses get the best of her or fear get the best of her. And I really, truly do look up to her for, for those reasons. Um, you know, like I mentioned in the episode, you know, I remember sitting at lunch with her and she's like, pulls out of her purse, you know, here's this empty bottle. And she's like, yeah, I think this is going to be the sample of what it's going to look like. And in my brain, I'm just like, you know, you, you see these things, you see these makeup brands on, on the shelf. Right. And they're these giant corporations, but at some point, a lot of them were these tiny corporations and you work backwards. And so here's this one girl on her own by herself saying to herself, I want to make a beauty product. I want to jump into the beauty industry, which is wildly oversaturated, right? And she doesn't let any of that get in her way. And she, and just like, it all starts with with one bottle and one girl with a dream to make something happen. And I don't know who wouldn't be inspired by that, who wouldn't find that to be incredibly inspiring. Uh, and so it's just really, really cool to me that she is just like, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know? And so she is uh, someone I will always, you know, hopefully call her a friend, but also someone I will continue to kind of watch her journey unfold. And uh, I'm definitely just rooting for her constantly throughout the way. So find Bea online, order the setting mist, order the refreshed wipes, order uh, the serum that she sells. Um and just just order away uh, so that she can, you know, make her way in this world, in the beauty industry, um, you know, especially, you know, my females out there who are listening, like we got to band together, like, let's go, let's support each other. Let's make it happen. So, um, yeah, if you see Bea 
in stores or you know online, definitely hit that purchase button. So that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Victoria Brown, your host. Follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown. Follow the podcast handle at Very Best Self. And once again, make sure you're following Brittany at Brittany Low, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot low on Instagram. I'll see you guys next week. Uh, leave us five stars, write a review, share this episode with someone you love. That's it. Bye.